Hello and welcome to the first ever episode of Building Rocket Ships. My name is Sean and I'm your host, and this podcast slash video series is actually nothing to do whatsoever with going to space and building rockets. It is actually to do with marketing and content, content and social media trends for 2023 and beyond. I'm very excited to be speaking to a bunch of people, peers and friends in the industry to kind of share our thoughts and perspectives on the way things are going. You can tune in on LinkedIn, on YouTube, on all the podcasts and audio platforms as well. And if you're watching for the first time, don't forget to hit subscribe. And there's a weekly newsletter where these episodes are being released early. To find that, go to www.buildingrocketships.com. And the first guest is another Scott. Johnny Rose, who has a really interesting story of his family business, which he ended up working for and helping to transform the marketing department. For a family business which is really well known in Scotland for one particular thing, and that is suits. So thanks very much for tuning in and joining me today. I'm really excited to get into this. Let's speak to Johnny. All right, Johnny, great to have you here. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. I'm really, really excited to get into this and, and learn more about you. So I guess, first of all, it's probably a good start to let everybody listening get a bit of a picture about um, you, you yourself as a person and, and what you do as well. Sure, Sean. Uh, pleasure to be here. Where would you like me to start? I could go way back. Is there any key points you want me to begin from? Way back. I mean, I'd like to know your kind of journey into marketing. I think that's always something that I'm kind of fascinated about is how people get into it. People get into all sorts of different ways, right? I did a social science at uni, which is the perfect red flag for a 17, 18 year old who doesn't know what they want to do with their lives. So that um, that really didn't matter. That kind of just led to the uni experience. And then it was, you know, my early mid 20s of figuring out what I wanted to do. And, and it's funny, most people think you know it's always going to be a set path but I think the majority fall into just going with different things and seeing where they land so after a wee stint in London and recruitment mm. um a wee bit of traveling I ended up on a program called the Mountbatten program awesome. uh work study program sends people from outside America to New York for a yeah. year it's so I was kind of placed in a financial technology company the jobs were quite entry level mm. um so it wasn't the most riveting stuff. I was looking at Excel documents, trying to find discrepancies. Like when I say it wasn't riveting, arguably could have been soul crushing. Depends uh, how you look at it. But but still um, though, what a place, New York. Also, no, 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 no. Oh, of course, no. The city yeah. is great, but the funny thing that happens when you're in a program with 120 other British people, <laughs> and you're only you know in New York for a year, the mentality is a bit like first year of uni because mm. you're kind of in flat blocks. Your yeah. friends live the floor below you. It's it's almost not like real life. So about five months into the program and being stuck in the sort of Mountbatten bubble, mm-hmm. I was like, I really need to take advantage of being in New York. And that's when I started looking up like meetup.com, Eventbrite. And long story short, went to a few like marketing events or like even entrepreneurial events. But it's yeah. funny how much marketing and entrepreneurship ties into each other, right? Um, so through that, basically discovered Gary Vaynerchuk. This was mm-hmm. about 2017. Yeah. And um, I hate to say it, like so many people, mm-hmm. Gary was probably my first kick into marketing because in one of the entrepreneur events, my team won a competition and we all got a book of, um, oh, sorry, we all got a book of Gary's Jab Jab. Yeah, I right know that one well. Jab Jab Right Hook. I love it. Yeah, so, yeah, no, it was great. And for those who don't know, it basically was around content and just mm-hmm. the marketing strategy of don't try and sell to people add value, add value, add value 80% of the time and 20% of the time then ask or tell them you've got a service or, you know, a product. And 
Gary actually left his email at the end of the book. Mm. So I actually emailed him and I was just like, hey, Gary, I'm on this program. It's kind of not everything I was hoping it would be. I've got so many holidays left. I'd love to come in and, you know, work. Mm. Got a response from him, which I wasn't surprising, uh, which I wasn't expecting. Uh, so I got to go and spend a day at VaynerMedia with his content team. That's and, awesome. you know, it was very enterprising back then, whereas mm. it's more the norm now. You know, it's two video guys. The person who was creating the Instagram videos, the person who was creating the Instagram yeah. photos, the person doing the Facebook content, YouTube content, the whole thing. So that kind of opened up my eyes to content, paid organic social, and where things were going. So then I started going to a lot of events around that, mm. and it was a lot of theory, a lot of theory. Then the program ended. I moved back to Glasgow, and I'm very lucky that the family business is a chain of men's retail stores called Slater Menswear. Yeah. So oh, I went well. in. Great, great, Sorry? great, great yeah. place. I love it. Great place. Uh, I try not to plug it too much because then I just sound like I'm pitching it. But yeah, you need no, to I'm, though. It's a great story. Yeah. You know, I, I was, you know, that's actually the first place that I got. That's where I got my first suit uh, for my first job when I was about 16 year old. So um, yeah, good old story here in Edinburgh. There's one in George Street. So yeah, a great yeah, place. Exactly. It's, it's an institution. Exactly. Especially in Scotland, you know, people yeah. will come in for the prom. Then, you know, if they've got to wear one to work, graduations, races, weddings. So you kind of see people through their entire life events, which is always something that's yeah. been pretty special about it, to be honest. But um, I went into what at the time was a 46, 45 year old, turns 50 this year, mm. bricks and mortar retailer coming in being like, oh, we need to be doing social and video. And um, I don't think they would have hired for it if they probably didn't feel they had to hire me through, you know, that nepotism. Uh, <laughs> but I came in wanting to add value. So what was theory? I then got to start testing and putting into practice. Yeah, no, that's that was awesome. my journey into marketing. Yeah, that's amazing. You know, and you've come quite a journey. And I think people who have got a bit of experience of business, first of all, I think that's just a good good way in. Like, you know, you started off in recruitment, which is a really kind of cutthroat business environment, right? You have to sell, well, sell, sell. sell I, all the time. I, I was quite lucky to give like Daniel Marks its absolute credit. Mm. It was like a startup. It was a thirty-five-year-old mm. guy was CEO, thirty-year-old was MD. Really young company. I know every recruitment person says this but definitely more of a consultancy so i was very mm. lucky the company i was with was just like yeah good it's not a good start in business values. though it's, it, it, oh 100 oh yeah. no of course yeah because you, you you have to manage your desk your yeah. clients you've obviously got the training and people helping you yeah but yeah you've got to manage everything from research skills negotiation to understanding of people yeah, yeah. I know some fantastic recruiters that I've worked with for years and um, see some of the work that those guys do. It's just a, it's just a really fascinating business to me. But um, yeah, cause it's, it's it's really great to hear that you went through that journey, you know, went into New York, were kind of enterprising enough to kind of reach out to people like Gary Vee, who I think is amazing as well. And I follow, I followed him for years as well. And I think his stuff is uh, really on the money for, for most, most parts. And I, I just think for you coming back to Scotland from that experience and then coming into kind of like a family business. And like I said, Slaters is a is a bit of an institution. A lot of people in Edinburgh, that's where they'll come into their first suits and and, and kind of formal wear. Um, so it must have been must have been interesting. Um, but I think um, New York as well. I want to talk a little bit about that because I love New York City. I've spent a lot of time there myself. Um, I was there for a, a month in one block, but then other times I've been back and forward. I just think it's a fantastic place. I feel like that's energy there that makes me feel um, energized myself. You know, um, yeah. did you kind of feel that similar vibe to living and working in New York? 100% you beat me to the phrase of there's an energy there but I, I, obviously people who go there most people come back saying that yeah when I started going to those meetup.coms mm. and eventbrites and stuff everyone there 
is working on something. Do you know yeah. what I mean? Everyone yeah. has, I, I, like, not even in that, you know, the hustle mentality where you have to grind yourself. People were just passionate about something. And that, that was one of the, not surprising, but, you know, disappointing things. When I came back to Glasgow, I'd been psyched up from all these meetup.coms and event brights. Yeah. And then I went to the ones in Glasgow <laughs> and um, it could have been a different planet. Yeah, I mean, it, it really more... is. The thing is, like you said, there's so much energy in New York. And even if you compare to New York to London, it's not the same. Like, I, I spend a lot of time working in London. It's a great place, but the energy is not the same as New York. Um, I get but then when you come back to Scotland, it's just, it's, like you say, it's another planet, right? Yeah. Um, and, and I think the, the cool thing is we've got a lot of talent here. And actually, we have a lot of connections in common, right? People that we worked with throughout marketing, uh, which I think is really cool. A lot of really talented people, but there's not that same community. There's not that same kind of, you know, you bump into each other every day, hustle mentality. Um, I think there's it's a little, certainly a lot more relaxed here, but there's a lot of good people here nonetheless. And I think that's yeah. what brought me to yourself, really. Yeah, no, no. I mean, that's the thing. There is, it's easier in New York because there's just so many people doing it. Whereas in Scotland, you know, people are quite spread out, focused yeah. on their things. Um, I, I don't know if there's ever been anyone who's tried to bring the community together. I know there's been like Google Squared events and stuff, but, yeah. you know, five years, I've not seen anything that's truly made it stick. Yeah. And I'd also say as well, like from starting a YouTube channel back in 2014, the first three or four years that I did it, YouTube were very conscious of coming up here and making an effort to do events, which were actually really cool, but they did fizzle out eventually because there just wasn't enough creators here to, to do that. And yeah. it's interesting with the kind of revolution of social media and TikTok, there's actually a lot more TikTok creators from Scotland nowadays than there, there are YouTube. Kind of old school YouTubers have all faded out and left. I'm thinking I'm the only one. But um, yeah, I think in general, whether you're talking about startups, business, uh, we're talking about marketing or content creation in general. There's just the, the community is a lot smaller here, but nonetheless, a lot of good good people. Yeah, and then um, yeah, it's, it's classic small, uh, big fish, small pond. Yeah, yeah exactly. One thing I'd really like to go into a little bit more is your journey with Slaters. Obviously, you've told us a little bit about how you got in there, but there must have been a lot of work to do, right? Because I would imagine when you started, they would have been at the beginning of their kind of digital journey with content and social media? Yeah, so I guess it wasn't so much that there was a split, but there was a marketing team and an e-commerce team. And the e-commerce team obviously are focused on mostly the website. You had everything they dealt with. So emails, products, kind of how the website looked, all those different aspects, and obviously e-commerce shoots. Whereas I came in and I did have an assistant at the time and then another assistant later, but my focus was always more on that brand level of marketing and like any good marketer will tell you the long and short of it which is something being spoken a lot about recently the perfect marketing blend you can have is brand and performance marketing so a lot of web-based activity people who work in the industry will know is performance marketing driving those sales trying to get good amounts of revenue not always necessarily profitable but it brings in money brings in sales so I was coming in thinking a lot, especially because I was a member of the family. So you, you've got more of that like human connection to it because you feel genuinely so passionate about it. You want... There's an emotional people. connection there, right? Yeah, exactly. And then because you have that emotional connection, you can kind of tell that story more authentically, but you actually want people to yeah. understand that more. So I looked at a lot of... Yes, there was the classic social media stuff mm. you know slater's main business is suits and nobody's going to impulse buy a suit so you can put mm. products in front of them but if you're just hammering people with a suit buy now buy now they're going to hit unfollow they're going to report the ad and they're just going to hate it so i started 
at its most basic level, for those who don't know, there's what's called a marketing funnel. You have awareness, consideration, conversion. Mm. Uh, conversions, obviously, you know, buy now, get 10% off. Considerations when you need a suit, you're looking at Slater's, Next, ASOS. But then there's that level awareness, which until content became a big thing, was probably a, the pool of the largest amount of customers, yeah. but the most neglected. Mm. So that's where content kind of came in. And I did a variety of different things. You know, I, I kind of reflect on it a little bit. It wasn't so much shiny object syndrome, but I, I was maybe trying too many things at any one point because yeah. when it came to the content, anyone who's been into Slayer's store knows what you really get is that personal service. Mm, yeah. You come in, you get measured, people listen, and it's very hard to translate that online. So in one aspect, what I started trying to do was educational content. So if you go on the YouTube channel, you'll see things like, what to expect when you're coming in to get fitted for your wedding day. Different ways to wear a navy suit. Um, you know, different casual wear outfits. So there was that. So if anyone used YouTube as a search engine, different ways to wear a navy suit, how do yep. I get measured? We'd actually have that. And mm. from mm -hmm. an SEO standpoint, for people who understand that, there was advantages there. Yeah. YouTube's so but powerful then, with that stuff. Like if you... Yeah, yeah, exactly. It all, it all tied yeah. in. It was all evergreen content. Evergreen being... People will always want to know what to mix a navy suit with. So yeah. whether it was recorded five years ago or four or 10, it's probably highly relevant now. And yeah. then the other piece of content I started introducing was a series called In Your City, which was, I don't want to say revolutionary, but at the time it was, so it was three years ago coming out of the pandemic before everyone and their mums had a microphone and started mm. going up, asking people questions in the street. We had a very set method of going to different store locations I could spend three, four, five hours in the streets. Uh, you know, I'd get like 20,000 steps and it was good from a fitness standpoint. <laughs> I'd be going up to people being like, hi, do you, because we were looking for nice stories. Coming at the pandemic, everything was doom and gloom. We wanted like some nice stories. So we'd be going up to people being like, hi, do you know a local hero? Somebody who gives without expecting anything in return. And uh, we did. I won't list them off, but like Manchester, Liverpool, Leeds. We found people. We brought them into the store. We got them dressed up, got them a suit. And honestly, there were some lovely stories. Um, and you can see some of the people break down in the videos because people who do nice things never expect anything in return. Yeah. Um, or they do and it never happens and then they just get hurt. But um, that was that was kind of those things. And even even family pieces, getting the family to sit down, show that angle. So, so, so that was basically it. It was basically just building that content, getting on YouTube and... Again, I didn't have much time to put into YouTube and studying it, but as most people will tell you if they've moved on to TikTok, those videos taken over to TikTok split into finding a local hero in Liverpool, part one, part two, part three, part four. Yeah, that's a video you could have filmed a year ago, right? And you're now yeah, yeah, reposting yeah, yeah. it. And, and that's exactly what happened. We posted it two years later in parts and it was getting, you know, six figures. Yeah. Of, they were the highest performing organic bits because they were they were great stories and yeah. you, you wouldn't believe like you go in the comments and you see people literally gagging for mm. the next part tag me in part two where's part two and even if you made a clip too short you'd get so much negativity as well be like make the clips longer yeah. so it was really like that that's the thing about content or good quality content yeah it good stories lasts forever yeah lasts forever and i like you know, you've started with a, a long form piece of content. These are good stories in long form that you can then go and chop up and, and, and turn into lots of pieces later on. 
TikTok appeared well after you were doing that, right? And so you had a bunch of content you could already populate it with without actually doing too much more in terms of effort. You know, you just have to do a bit of editing, right? Um, yeah, and you've even seen it yourself. We're talking about like, you, you if you're trying to force that engagement a little bit, you yeah. break it up into parts and get people excited. But people are watching five, 10 minute videos on TikTok Absolutely. now. Yeah, yeah, so, definitely. And sometimes the short content is a gateway, right? They might they might tune into the, the shorter videos, short form content. They might watch two or three of them and they think, actually, these people sound pretty cool. I'm going to come in and invest my time into their longer form content as well, which you see quite a lot. Um, and I think that's going to be the model you see nowadays on, on YouTube, that which are really kind of taking the fight to TikTok with their, their shorts program. So, you know, you could build out a, a bunch of short form content there with the hope that the people will stick around on your channel and then consume your longer content as well. Um, and I just find that whole thing fascinating. You know, it's, it's about, I think it's about having that pillar content, that long form stuff and breaking it up and 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 in terms of results for that did you see i mean you you said a little bit about how some of those shorter videos really really resonated in tiktok did you did you see kind of some solid figures from that moving on well so i guess if if i could go into like obviously the marketing terms of like the growth we saw on the page the traffic through to the website but um we don't really measure footfall to the stores and stuff and i know this sounds like such a marketer's answer it's kind of that like long-term journey isn't it it was getting in front of people that was the purpose because there was the the website part the part of the content the point of the content was to raise awareness so in the next steps would be people going to the website that would need to do its job the email doing its job retargeting from social ads or google ads or whatever that was the next step but because we don't measure things like footfall and sales last year were so good with three years worth of uh, weddings that were cancelled yeah. due to the pandemic coming back. So it was it was hard to get marketing to take the credit for anything. But any marketer will tell you quite often it is. So what what I love about that story is the fact that actually that that kind of proves a long term play there because. I think in that business, you know, and I'm not an expert in suits whatsoever, other than the fact that I have to wear them occasionally. Um, yeah, is that you? You might buy a new one every year, maybe. You might buy two or three for the start of a new job. But in reality, that's not, you know, you might spend maybe once every two or three years, right? Um, whenever you kind of go up or down a size. And so you're putting content in front of people consistently over a longer period of time. And so that when they are ready, actually, I need a new suit, you'll be top of mind, right? Well, that's exactly it, yeah. I just love that. That's that's. I think that's how marketing should be thought of, right? And we all talk about kind of performance metrics and click-through rates and return on investment. But actually, the there's... Is, you know yourself, Sean, like, <clears throat> we were talking about the content journey somebody could yeah. go through here. Because um, you could talk through the, the funnel that somebody's experienced from when they first experienced the brand to actually purchasing. And, you know, it's yeah. more convoluted than just awareness, consideration, conversion. But there is a whole... It's, it's like there's so many layers now we're talking because you were talking about somebody finding the shorts then hanging around for the long form and yep. then maybe purchasing so like that's so many steps now mm. and tracking that and measuring it there's capabilities there but a yep. lot of businesses don't have the time last year was a very good year for slaters and i think everything was just being for years the product mm. the price the people the service has been top-notch yeah and if I do say so, in my tenure, the marketing was good as well. So everything was just hitting the right notes. Yeah. And so if I don't want to narrow it down to just marketing. In a, a modern day business, good marketing can shift a crap product. Yeah. But it can help 
elevate. Yeah, exactly. A good it's the type one. of thing. Well, like everything for, just has the right note these days. Hundred percent. It's it's the type of thing. Like for me, for example, in, in the suit buying journey, like I told you, I brought my first suit there. Um, it, it was a good experience, and it's the type of thing where when you come to buy new suits in the future, it, it's a place you think about because you you don't get that kind of service at all the high high street retailers, right? And, and I think that's a really good story to tell. So yeah, I love that actually. It's the it's the idea that. You know, marketing is one part of a modern business, but um, the culture is also really important too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, things are so competitive. Everything yeah. has to hit the right note these days. Because people will just move on to the next thing like that. People are yeah. fickle, more fickle than they've ever been. Yeah, I, I definitely. I think nowadays as well, looking into the future with cost of living and all the rest of it, people are quite um, cautious about how they're spending their money, right? So um, you have to have the whole the whole package, if you like. Yeah. And then you kind of, in more recent times, you obviously launched your own podcast, The Story Club. Um, be good to know more about that and, and, and what you do now. Well, funnily enough, um, following on from what we were saying about New York, coming back to Glasgow and going to those events. So I, I was turning 30 when I got back from the program, or I was, or I was steadily encroaching on 30. And in New York, it was such a mixed range of people. It was anyone from a 19-year-old up to a 50-year-old who was planning something or excited about something. And then I came back to Scotland, and I'm sorry, the energy isn't here. It just isn't. There's no inward investment. I won't get into politics of things, but it just... It's, it's oh, I not... have noticed, um, it's uh, maybe from a, more from an Edinburgh side than Glasgow. Um, I don't spend a lot of time in Glasgow, though. I love the city. Um, yeah. I would say over the last six months maybe a year since the pandemic there's been a lot of changes in edinburgh uh the, the pandemic definitely saw a lot of a lot of people go out of business mm. um a lot of smaller places especially if you're talking about the kind of restaurant scene there was a lot of businesses that disappeared but they're edinburgh's such a kind of draw for tourism and it has exploded the minute the flights open back up from the states direct flights that which was like may last year in 2022 yeah. that changed everything and, and since then there has been a lot more of a buzz in edinburgh um and, and and it's quite good to see especially i would say over the last three to six months there's a lot of construction going on a lot of new house building um and there's things there are, there are things happening that i've not seen for a very long time here which, which is yeah. quite interesting um, and, and i hope it continues because you know i love scotland and i love i love living here um but you're right there there is the definite i've got a lot of friends i talk about this all the time with is when you especially when you go to places like new york you come back here and you feel a bit like a burst football. Yeah, you're going from one extreme to the other. And that, that thing about capitals, they get most of the inward investment. Yeah. So, you know, I've got friends who live in Edinburgh. I come through and I totally see what you're talking about. Yeah. Uh, uh, so I came back and when I went to that Eventbrite meetups in Glasgow, mm. it was either people in their early 20s who were there to learn and they had ideas, but there wasn't quite implementation. Or there was like the people 50 plus who were just there to network and hand out business cards. Mm, yeah. So I, I, got, I got thinking, I was like, where are all the 30 year olds who yeah. you know are working on cool things? And, and I came up with two realizations for it. One, people in their 30s, the millennials, we kind of grew up with social media. Yeah. But not everyone was sharing every aspect of their lives. And if anything, yeah. you know, as well as I do in Scotland, in the UK, if you talk about your success or whatever, people think you're egotistical. It's tall poppy syndrome. Say anything positive. Yeah. Many will rush in to cut you down. Um, Especially here in Scotland, I think. We're quite bad for that. 100%. Success is not celebrated in Scotland. It's yeah. looked down upon. Yeah. Uh, again, one of the big 
discrepancies between uh, Scotland and New York, unfortunately. So it was basically that yeah. people weren't talking about themselves. And also, again, kind of a more old-fashioned view. People in their 30s think they have to... It's 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 fading now, but you know the mentality. By the time you're 30, you have to have the job that you're going to have for yeah. the next couple of years, marriage, kids and all that. So the people who are just working on their thing yeah. were keeping to themselves. So that's when I first started the podcast. It was called the 30-something podcast. Yeah. Which the goal was to find people in their 30s and get them to tell their story. Yeah. So my first few guests were people in their 30s who were doing cool things. And it was great. It was great mm. to speak to them. It kind of re It's like what you said. Coming back to Scotland a wee bit like a deflated football. But when you go out and you actively have those conversations and you find those people, it reignites yeah. a spark and a little something. But then yeah. I realized I kind of put myself into a corner just having mm. people in their 30s because, like we said, finding people in their 30s who wanted to talk about what they're doing yeah. was quite hard and finding that age range was hard. So I, I opened it up and called it the Story Club because yeah. what I realized from my conversations with people is I just love the stories, the backgrounds, yeah. what they've done. Like People, more often than not, are actually more interesting than they give themselves credit for. 100%. It's just about kind of coaxing it out a little bit, right? Um, yeah. It, so, it sounds very much like kind of talking about your background and, and, and when you, you came back to Scotland in your age that we're probably of a very similar age, uh, me being kind of mid-30s, uh, millennial. And I think, you know, talking about that kind of age group and where they went with social media, we always, we, we did grow up with social media, but it seemed that we went one of two ways. You have the millennials who obviously are on social media, but they keep, keep to themselves to themselves. They might lurk around. And then you have yeah. other millennials like probably us that spend a lot of time on it and and, and understand it's worth and, and really really go for it but um, well, well you, you've also missed out the group which is actually genuinely 50 percent of my friends those who don't even have it yeah don't have facebook don't like have just like been like i have no interest in it at all yeah we do appreciate the fact especially as marketers that if you don't put yourself out there with content on social media you basically don't really exist well the, the way i keep trying to pitch it to my friends because yes, there is so many negatives about social media. It has caused a lot of problems, like for the future, for like Gen Z and just everything else. And I'm sure, unfortunately, we're only scratching the surface of that. But at the end of the day, social media is a tool. That's what I keep telling my friends. It, the algorithm plays to what you watch, what you're interested in, what you do, and it, it turns it up to a hundred. But if you unfollow creators or whatever that you don't like and you start following those who add value or you know can like just give you morals values whatever or they help educate you in your line of work yeah 100 percent. you can direct it totally agree it's, it is a tool and it's also actually when people do complain about social media i really think of it as a it's just an extension of real life um people might be more emboldened to say things they wouldn't say in real life but at the end of the day, anything you see on social media in terms of comments, good and bad, it's it's just a person speaking, right? Um, and even if they say something terrible, we have to face the fact that that is a person um, with an opinion that is felt empowered to say something that maybe anonymous, anonymously, um, but it's not necessarily the platform's fault. It's just the fact that people have these awful opinions sometimes. Um, yeah. yeah. And it's just, I mean, it's just a reflection of human behavior, really. People... Yeah, it's, it comes down yeah. to individuals, right? People yeah. can use it, use anything for evil and yeah. some But at the same time, it's, it doesn't sound bad, that story, but actually, 
I would say for me, 95% or more of the interactions I come across are positive. So I think it's done tremendously good and we meet loads of great people around the world as well, which helps. And it's just the, the kind of opportunities it gives people like us that we probably didn't have when we were really young, kind of growing up. Um, nowadays, for somebody who's, you know, 14, 15, 16, thinking about starting to come into um, either more education or their career, there's so many opportunities for them based on yeah. social media. Yeah, no, no, no. Listen, I've, I'm a, I'm team social media because I know the benefits and everything that can come from it. Yeah. And I, I genuinely, I'm very curious to see what the future holds for it. But mm. there should be something in schools or universities like educating yeah. on here is how to use it and focus it. Yeah. And also, but, I think as well, just about the reality of facing people's opinions and how to how to contextualize some of them, right? Because I think a lot of people, when they see negative comments, they might just crawl away into a ball. And, and it's the same for business people on LinkedIn. They'll post content out there um, and they might get one or two negative comments and then they'll immediately retract and, and kind of hide hide away. And it's quite it's, it's quite a natural thing to do. But actually, if you contextualize it where it's just a person with an opinion and actually most people out there don't have that opinion, then it's not, it's not actually that bad. Yeah, well, that's the curse of the human brain, isn't it? You could yeah, have got a hundred positive and supportive comments than like that one negative one is the one you'll be obsessing about for exactly. 12 hours yeah so listen story club going forward and, and your plans and, and what you aim to help people with what what's the future looking like sure so it kind of started with freelancing coming out of the pandemic and anyone who's started freelancing will tell you you can't you, you, you dabble in all different bits and pieces um because I can tell you I absolutely despise subtitling somehow got like into that position but Paid well, but soul-crushing stuff. Um, but it's, so it's funny. It's it's kind of evolved from the podcast almost a little bit, which is why I, the, the business I set up used to be called The Social Recipe. And legally it still is. I need to change those things. But um, <laughs> I've actually made the decision to change the name to The Story Club following on from the podcast because what I do like and care about is the story. And so many people out there don't know, like the loudest voices on social media are unfortunately marketers, us, like it's, it's marketers after marketers. Cause I mean, you have to know how to market yourself. Um, but there's so it's, it's similar to the 30 something idea. There's people out there who are doing cool things who are rather than being 10 steps ahead of somebody, they're step two, three, four, five, mm. and they can add value to the people the stage before. Yeah. So there's so I, I work with some brands and I do social media content for them, still from the mm. social recipe. But the direction I'm taking it is working with individuals one on one, just helping them get out of their shell, realize the value yeah. they've got. You think of the kind of founders, that type of person? Yeah, like founders or even individuals in businesses. It doesn't yeah. have to be people at the top. Everyone Ha most people have some value to add mm. and one of the key things as well as an education piece about for people about making your video content go further yeah some people will film a lovely brand video mm. or even you know better yet do educational pieces inside their work with members of the team yeah and they'll post it up on their facebook their youtube and they'll just leave it at that yeah and then they'll pat themselves in the back and be like oh look what we did but then they'll be uh. like oh what was the results yeah, and then they'll see it got three likes from like their mum or their or her friends. Yeah, uh, it's so, so it's common. Really, yeah, no, it's what everyone does. So especially about, in business. Yeah, yeah, people they know they need to be doing video content, but they don't know what to do with it after. So it's kind of helping people yeah. get comfortable in front of the camera, and then 
how to maximise that video stuff. And sometimes I've been trying to educate them. It goes beyond just getting it on social yeah. in front of an audience. Video is an amazing tool for, I mean, so last week already I sat down, I did uh, a couple of videos for mm. people I want to work with. And I sent it to them on LinkedIn mm. with a profile of like work I've done. And, you know, they were like, oh, nothing right now, but, you know, love the personal yeah. touch. Or if you're building up that bank of video content, if you want to start mm. speaking at events, you can send that to the event being like, hey, guys, saw you're doing an event. This is kind of my thoughts. Yeah, 100%. And the, the video content shouldn't just sit there in the social feed. Get it out to people, send it to people, talk to people, use it as a communication tool. And that is how you maximize it. Absolutely. I could not agree more. I think that it's such a powerful tool for communications, but also community building as well. One kind of anecdote that I would share based on what you've just said about, you know, people will post a video, dump it, and then they'll say, oh, that didn't work, so I'm not doing it again, is the fact that, you know, I, I run a YouTube channel, which is about travel in the United States. Um, nowadays, it's, it's pretty successful. You know, I've got um, almost 200,000 subscribers, but I started that in 2014, and until the year 2018, almost nobody paid attention and I was posting videos every week and so four years of no one caring and no one turning up basically and I think people it's a story I like to tell because it shows that you need to be consistent you need to be quite thick-skinned and you need to keep going even though people aren't necessarily paying attention in the beginning it's, it's back to what I said about like brand marketing and performance marketing as well like with mm. that brand stuff it's kind of a constant going up thing and often don't see the results for three four five years it's the long game yeah so and equally you could go you could post something on tiktok tomorrow for the first time and it goes viral i mean that happens as well nowadays which is it could. yeah yeah, yeah. It's really cool the problem, is, the problem is that gives people that hit yeah. and then they get consistent and it never maybe reaches those points so that's got its own problems yeah. but it is it's just uh, funnily enough another thing i've been saying to people a lot is it's what directors mm. say one for them, one for you. If you're yep. just posting videos or comments or whatever that are showing off your skill set or showing mm -hmm. your wisdom or giving value, that can get very yeah. boring very fast. 100%. So make sure like the videos you're doing, yes, there's ones where you add value, but do stuff that you love. Do stuff that yeah. you're interested in. Like Even on LinkedIn today, you know, it's the, the value-adding professional platform. I did a meme with Yoda because... <laughs> It's a lot of people the last like three months have mm. been saying, oh, we need to catch up soon. And I'm going to sound a bit like Larry David, but it's like, make plans if you want to make plans. Don't say we need to catch up soon. But like yeah. that, that adds no value to anyone yeah. on LinkedIn. It's just it's a throwaway really comment. Good. Yeah, and it's maybe relatable to people. And yeah. I, like, I had fun putting up a Yoda meme. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So I love it. And, and it catches actually the, the British. Actually, I think that's a very kind of British psyche thing because actually if you say that, it means the opposite. <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Like, let, yeah. Please, let's not catch up. I never up. want to see you. I never want to see you. But uh, yeah, so that's the advice as well. Don't yeah. make creating content a slog and something you have to do. Yeah. Do it because you want to. Even my podcast has been more inconsistent than I'd probably like. Mm. But I keep going back to it because I like going and having conversations with people and sitting yeah. down with people. So do it for you to start and then kind 100%. of start shaping your message yeah yeah it makes a lot of sense and it's a lot of the things i can believe in as well so it's really really good to kind of catch up with someone who's like-minded in scotland as well it seems like it's, it's quite rare but we do exist but um yeah i guess just to kind of finalize it'd be good to know your thoughts on some of the major themes you see playing out right now in content and 
could take over the rest of the year. I mean, I know, I mean, I don't want to put thoughts in your head, but you know, a lot of people are talking about AI and video content. Is it still, is it still the, the number one place to be? What, what are your general thoughts around things coming up this year that people need to pay attention to either for business or personal growth? I think just because you mentioned AI, not that you planted the seeds, <laughs> everyone's talking about chat GPT and listen, it is a fantastic tool for, you know, some of the research aspects that you had to do before it can now tell you but by god please do not let it become a crutch consider mm. it more support than the be all and end all and you can see the amount of like wannabe linkedin influencers and stuff that are do you know like a seven a 17 year old approached me the other day being like oh hey i'd like to run this for you and i went on his page and just the posts were the mm. generic you know like you know chat gbt yeah. gpt yeah. sorry is spinning out so i think like i I don't, I've not got enough knowledge about different AI aspects because mm -hmm. I'm sure there is a specific marketing post Canva takeover AI coming and all these things. But for, I'm going to have like AI fans coming out against me. <laughs> I, don't, I don't think it'll necessarily be as creative as some of the most creative people. Like yeah. I'm a creative person, but I'm not a creative. Yeah. And I've worked with creatives who just think in such a way that that unique side to marketing and business will always be their domain something i think the good businesses will focus on is empowering their people mm. if you are a business with let's say 50 people and you let them create content talking about the business around the business and you trust them and you empower them and let's say they are excited about work and they post a week that is 50 free pieces of content a week that's amazing that's so powerful is, which is unreal. And the, the companies that really win for attracting talent, uh, raising awareness, getting people interested in them. I mean, you've seen, for those who haven't seen, uh, Duolingo's TikTok page. Oh, yeah. Yeah, that's amazing. They do They've so many good things. Someone dressed as the owl walking around, <laughs> engaging with the staff and all that. And I don't want to work there, but like, if anything yeah. ever happened, I'd love to work there because it looks... yeah. It allows people to show the values. And so anyway, so companies that do that will just win from a human standpoint. It seems to be like, on that kind of empowerment side, it's, it's allowing people to act as they would usually do in their own social media, which comes across well on a on a platform. Uh, and and so I also think with video content, um, everyone's going to be a creator. Yeah. Like all the next generations come are going to be creating. They're going to be talking about their products. One of the new things now is the de-influencer. Oh, yeah. So, I saw that tag, know, yeah. It, it, anything goes too strong one way there's always a cause yeah. and effect swinging the other way it's people talking rawly honestly yeah. negatively about products that are being flogged by influencers yeah. whether it's teeth whitening stuff or makeup uh, i think we're going to see that 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 push into authenticity and being yeah. real which again is going the route of almost being disingenuous in itself yeah but we're going we're going to see more of that counter movement i think as well no i just i couldn't agree more i think really that that authenticity is, is just so important people people ultimately react react to people that are kind of like them right and when it gets too far in the stage where people are just pushing products all the way uh, and living like kind of obscenely rich lifestyles it, it doesn't seem achievable anymore it doesn't seem natural yeah and and i i also think with political things and whatever like the cost of living crisis yeah. people will be less warm and welcoming to people living their best life online yeah. i think there will be a pushback against 
that yep. kind of clash. Totally makes sense. So, so we'll, we'll see how that goes because you've got the counter of people who want, whether it's hope or the dream of an aspirational yeah. lifestyle. So you'll yep. still have them. But I yep. think there's going to be more people falling to the negative side of that. Yeah. Well, listen, Johnny, that was a really amazing conversation. I've really enjoyed it. And it's been good to get your perspective. Another Scott on, on the line to kind of learn about your story. And it sounds like we've got a similar background uh, of kind of traveling young and then going around the world and, and kind of finding our feet and then, and then back home. And, and who knows what the future lies, but I'm excited. I don't know about you. No, no, me too, Sean. Yeah, I, I think there's opportunities out there. There's businesses that need help. Yes, it's going to be quite competitive, but just add value, care about what you do, and you're going to win. Amazing. Great stuff, Johnny. All right, listen, thank you very much for joining us. Where should people find you, or where can they find you online? Uh, I'd say LinkedIn is probably best. If you just type in Johnny Rose Story Club, I'm bound to come up. Great stuff. Brilliant. All right, listen, let's catch up again. We'll go for a drink sometime, uh, and everybody go and check out Johnny. Thank you. Speak again. Thank you, John. Cheers. All right, thank you, everyone, for listening to that. Hopefully you enjoyed it and got some value and insights out of it. I'm really excited to be hosting these podcast chats. I'm going to be starting to do them every two weeks initially to start with on Tuesdays. So every fortnight from now, they'll be released. And then lots of kind of shorter mini clips will be taken from the long ones and posted on my social media channels throughout the period as well. But I'm really excited about doing this and sharing these insights and speaking to as many of you as possible about your thoughts and opinions on marketing and content trends. So let me know your thoughts down in the comments below and I'll reply to them. And wherever you're watching this, LinkedIn, YouTube, or any of the podcast apps, leave me a like, subscribe, or even give me a rating if that's what you do on a podcast app. I'd very much appreciate it. And sign up for the newsletter because that is where the episodes are going to be released early and I've got some amazing guests coming up. www.buildingrocketships.com I'll see you there. And the links will be down below in the description. So thanks for tuning in and I'll speak to you again really soon. Take care.